Are your eyes still open? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Because you know how it works here. Once you close them, I shut my mouth, okay? <laughs> or I should. Maybe I haven't always been good about doing that, but I'm going to get better about doing that. When people shut their eyes and shut their ears, this preacher is going to shut his mouth. So are your eyes and ears open? Yes. Please, please open them up so we can continue. Otherwise, we might as well go home. But let's have a good session here in the Word of God. Amen. And let me just say this. Let me say that because you might be thinking, man, I wish so-and-so was here. All right, these messages are not for so-and-so. It's for me and for you because we're here, okay? So this is not like, oh, boy, if he could hear this, boy, he should hear this, boy. This is, Lord, I mean, I'm going to buy him the CDs and send. No, no, you got it wrong. You got it, you got it, you got it backwards, no. No, we, we judge ourselves. All right, this message is not for so-and-so who's not here. It's for you-know-who who is here, right? Are we friendly today? Are everybody having fun? All right. Hey, this is good news. Right, we can get mercy. We don't have to go it alone. We can get mercy. All right, let's, so I want to go back to, I'm going to go on here a little bit, but let me, let me go back to this statement here. We're talking about honor and humility, and um, these are a couple characteristics of humble people that we're looking at. A humble man is teachable, talking about that, and then we're talking, and we, we're stuck here a little bit. We've fallen, and we can't get up. We're stuck that a humble man admits his mistakes, he repents to those he has sinned against. A humble man receives his forgiveness. Very important. Right? The enemy wants you to stay down, condemned, but you need to get up from there. Do what you can to make it right with everybody you hurt. As much as is possible, we live peaceably with one another, as much as depends upon us. Right, we receive our forgiveness, and then we adjust as necessary. All right, let's talk about this for just a minute. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Let's talk about repenting to those we've sinned against. And let's go to 2 Corinthians. Now, you understand that 2 Corinthians is a letter that was written to a New Testament church. Right, so it was written to New Testament believers. It could be written to our church today. So it applies to us. And, and guys, by the way, I'm not mad at anybody or anything or not trying to, ah, this is my doctrine, nothing like that. But I'm saying we ought to consider the whole Bible. And I was recently reminded of James chapter 3 that says, hey, let not many of you become teachers because teachers get a stricter judgment. So I'm humble. And I'm not going to play around with the Word of God and make it say whatever I want it to say for my convenience. I'm not going to create doctrines of convenience to fit my lifestyle. I'm going to adjust my lifestyle to the Word of God. Amen. But you judge for yourself. You decide for yourself, and you are the judge of yourself. I'm not your judge, and you're not my judge, but we do judge ourselves. All right, so 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Let's get some more light from the Word of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And verse 8, 
Paul says this, the Holy Ghost through Paul says this, for even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it. So Paul wrote them a letter and corrected some things, dealt with some issues. For even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. For I perceive that the same letter, epistle, made you sorry, though only for a while. Now I rejoice that you were made sorry. Paul said, I was happy that you were sorry. But that your sorrow, or we could say your sorriness, led to repentance. So I see right there that it's not enough to be sorry. That sorriness or being sorry, what does it do? It leads us to repentance. So it starts with being sorry, feeling bad about what you did. But the Lord doesn't want us to wallow in sorrow. Or just feel sorry. Well, I guess I'm not that good a person after all. (laughs) Nobody's perfect, you know, or whatever. No, 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 no. Go from sorrow, from being sorry to real repentance. He said, I rejoice, verse 9, not that you were made sorry. I wasn't happy that you felt bad, but that your sorrow went to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner. This, he was saying, this is good sorrow. That, notice this, that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. So notice this, why does the Lord give us repentance? He doesn't want us to suffer loss. That we might suffer loss in nothing. Right? We know it's the thief who comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. We know he is the originator of pride. We know he is the spirit of pride. And we know he would love nothing better than to get into our lives and steal and kill and destroy. But the Bible has given us the gift of repentance. Are you here? He's given us the gift of repentance. So the Lord will show us something. So what do we do with that something that he shows us? We go directly to the throne of grace. Will you feel like it? You might not feel like it, but we don't go based on how we feel. We go based on a new and a living way. By the blood of Jesus which he consecrated and made available for us. And we go there, and what do we do? Um, um, Among other things, we obtain, we get mercy, and we get grace for that thing that he's revealing to us. We don't have to do it alone. Okay, I'm going to continue here. I wish I felt a little more friendly environment here. But I'll continue anyway. This is what I do, so I'm getting better at it. All right. Notice what he says. I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner. Why? That you might suffer loss from us in nothing. Verse 10. For godly sorrow produces, in other words, what? Being sorry produces something. It should produce repentance. And what does repentance lead to? It leads to salvation. It leads to healing, it leads to wisdom, it leads to direction, it leads to protection, it leads to preservation, it leads to everything that Jesus died to give us, everything that grace has for us. It produces repentance, leading to salvation, and I love these words, not to be regretted. Repentance is never to be regretted. 
Amen. Repentance is authority. Repentance is authorizing mercy. God would be merciful to us if he could, and he can be with repentance. I'll say that again. God would be merciful to us if he could, and that repentance means he can. Guys, don't forget that the enemy is the accuser of the brethren. He was in Job's time, and he is in New Testament times. He's still the accuser of the brethren. And if he could, he would try to build a case against you so that he has a legal right into your life. But as we learn about these things, we can legally keep the door shut on him so that the destroyer can't destroy us, right? Pride comes before destruction. A haughty spirit comes before the fall. All right, let's continue these verses here. I'm just gonna put it out there and then um, you can do with it what you wanna do. That's my responsibility. All right, verse 10, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. For observe this very thing, that you sorrowed in a godly manner, what, notice this, what's the result? What diligence it produced in you? What clearing of yourselves? What indignation, what fear or reverence, what vehement desire? You, you got your desire back to serve the Lord. What zeal, what vindication? In all, these thi- in all things, you proved yourself to be clear in this matter, right? So repentance causes us to be clear, yeah. right? That's why it's important that we repent to people that we've sinned against. Because when we do, we prove ourselves to be clear. Instead of the person not knowing Do they know what they did wrong? Do they see what they did wrong? Are they likely to do it again soon? Without repentance, they don't know. I'm talking about human relationships right now. So the humble admits his mistakes. He repents to those he sinned against. He receives his forgiveness, and then he adjusts as necessary. Let's talk about this, adjusting as necessary. Just a minute here. All right. And again... We can go to the throne of grace and get grace. The humble get the grace. You don't have to be strong on your own. What? Go to the throne of grace. If you have to, go there again and again and again and again and keep going there again and again and again. And you mess up, confess it again and go again and again and again. Wear out a path to that throne of grace. Well, you know, maybe the Lord done it so many times, maybe he won't forgive me. Nonsense. He's the one who said... What? How often shall I forgive? How many times shall I forgive my brothers? Seven times? No, 70 times seven. Right? So the Lord is the one who said, hey, there's forgiveness and forgiveness and forgiveness and forgiveness. What? As long as you're true. Don't hide. Don't try to cover. Right? He who forsakes his sin doesn't cover them, but forsakes his sin and repents. He gets mercy. We want to be on the mercy side. And I'm not here to point out what sin is. You know what you know. You know what you see. 
You know what you understand as you read the Word of God, and you've got to be true to what you see, what you know, and what you understand. Where are you in the Bible? 2 Corinthians 7 still? Okay, we're talking about adjusting as necessary. Okay, we're going to come right back to adjusting as necessary, but let's go back to Romans chapter 1, and let's again, let's look at this just so that we're forewarned. To be forewarned is to be forearmed. The danger, again, of not acknowledging what we see. Romans chapter 1. Now, again, I recognize in Romans chapter 1, he's talking about unbelievers, all right? But please understand this. What he's going to lay out here in Romans chapter 1 doesn't only pertain to unbelievers. It's a universal law of the heart of man. All right, Romans chapter 1 and verse 18. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest, or we could say evident in them, for God has shown it to them. They saw something. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are what? They're clearly seen. Being what? Understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they're without excuse. Because although they what? They knew something. They knew God. They what? They didn't glorify him as God, nor were thankful. All right? So what's the big deal about being thankful, right? We know this, that if somebody gives you a gift and you say thank you for that gift, that's an acknowledgement of the gift. So when the truth comes and you're not thankful for what you see, you've basically said it's nothing. And that's a dangerous place to be because he says, although they knew God, they didn't glorify him as God. They were not thankful, meaning they didn't acknowledge what? What they saw, what they knew, what they understood to be true. And what was the result? They became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened, right? Their hearts became darkened, right? The Bible even talks about sin, how it hardens our heart. So we can go directly to the throne of grace, repent of it, and keep a clear heart and not a hardened heart. But notice here again, their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened, right? We don't want that to happen. Everybody say, I don't want that to happen. And then look at verse 22. Then what happened? They professed to be wise and they became fools. Suddenly they had wisdom, but what kind of wisdom was it? It was Satan's wisdom. It was James chapter 3, wisdom of this world wisdom. And suddenly now they think they're wise. They know something everybody else doesn't know, but they're really, they become a fool. And uh, we don't want that to happen to us. So when we see something, when we know something, when we understand something, we don't forget it. We say, thank you, Lord. You really love me, don't you? <laughs> Second Thessalonians chapter 2. You know what I'll say? It's a whole lot easier just to be under grace and not deal with these verses. And I believe in grace. But, you know, it's a whole lot to say, this is too complicated. This is too legalistic. But you know what? You can't ignore what's written in the Bible in the New Testament. 
right? We believe in grace and we believe there's provision for any blunder, any failing, any shortcoming. Jesus has already paid the price. Past, present, and future, but you got to go. You got to go and be true to what you see and what you know. All right. Second Thessalonians. Hold your place right here. All right. Go over to Second Timothy. You're nearby. Turn to the right. Verse 15. This is what's going on here. Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Hmm? You guys like, huh, what? So what's the big deal about that? (laughs) The big deal about that is the word of God can be rightly divided, which means it can also be wrongly divided. King James Version, verse 15. Study, everybody say study. Study to show yourself approved. A workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, right? So you got to dig in the word of God so that you can rightly divide it. Otherwise, you can harmfully, wrongly divide the word of God. All right, that's what all I wanted to say about that. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Okay, verse 7. We had quite a study last week on the mystery of lawlessness. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Right, this is another New Testament letter right here, all right? Only he who now restrains will do so until he's taken out of the way, and then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, notice this, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them what? Strong delusion that they should believe the lie. So we notice here the warning in verse verse 10 that when we don't receive the love of the truth, we fall uh, susceptible to become deluded, deluded or deceived or in error, right? The love of the truth. Everybody say the love of the truth. All right? So let me just say this. I've never said this before. The love of the truth has got to be greater than my love for being right myself. My love for the truth has got to be greater than my love for self-righteousness and me being right myself. Right? When we go to the Word of God, we let the Word of God examine us. Right? We don't go the word of, to the Word of God to prove that we're right. Because if you go to the Word of God to prove that you're right, you can make the Word of God say anything. We don't go to the Word of God to prove that we're right. We go with honesty, with humility, with sincerity, trusting in the Spirit of truth to find out what is right. All right? We We don't adjust the Word of God to fit our lifestyle. We adjust our lifestyle to fit the Word of God. All right, go to 2 Timothy. We're going to get to adjusting as necessary in a minute. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Again, let's talk about itching ears. All right, this message is for the righteous sons, right? 2 Timothy chapter 4. You know what God wants? That the devil be kept out. Outsider. Looking in. Not on the inside. Right? We don't want to sleep with the enemy. 
All right, 2 Timothy chapter 4, first verse 1. Paul charged Timothy, I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead as appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. In other words, they'll say, I can't handle it anymore. They'll shut their ears. They'll not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. They'll look for their own teachers, and they will turn their ears away from what? From the truth, and be turned aside to fables. All right, let's read this in a couple other... Let's read this in the Amplified Version. Verse 3. I charge you... Yeah... For the time is coming when people will not tolerate or endure sound and wholesome instruction, but having ears itching for something pleasing and gratifying. They will gather to themselves one teacher after another to a considerable number chosen to satisfy their own liking and to foster the errors that they hold. So in other words, what? They're just going to look for somebody to tell them that they're right to justify themselves. Right? That's why we always want to exalt the truth over our own self-justification. Because in the truth, there is justification for us. And there is provision for us. But we never want to substitute truth for a lie or lie for the truth. We love the truth. Even if we don't like it, we love it. Even if it hurts and it's hard, we come back and we say, the word says this. I know the word says this. I don't like it. I'm not going to pretend I don't see it. The word says this. I know the word says this. I'm not going to act like I don't see it. No, I see it. The word says this. You know, and that's where consecration comes in. Right? Those, those prayers are not for nothing, right? There's times when we, ha when we need to pray the prayer of consecration because we just don't want to do it. And when Jesus prayed the prayer of consecration, not my will, but Lord, your will be done, then an angel came and strengthened him supernaturally. We have supernatural help. There's grace at the throne of grace when we come to him instead of running from him. All right? So again, let's not heap up. Let's not just look for, for, for preachers that tell us what we want to hear. Amen? Right? Our, our, the preacher's job is not to make us feel good. I see that more and more, but the, the preacher's job is to tell us the truth. And a lot of times, the truth hurts. That's true. All right, Romans chapter 13. The humble man admits his mistakes, repents to those he sinned against, receives forgiveness, and adjusts as necessary. Romans chapter 13. And can you imagine? It's all in the Bible. Romans 13. Let's read verse 11. It says, And do this, knowing the time, that now it's high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, and the day is at hand. The day is here. Therefore, let's cast off the works of darkness, and let's put on the armor of light. Let's walk properly 
in, as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and notice this, and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Make no provision for the flesh, right? Let's read that from, let's try the NLT and see if we like it. This is all the more urgent for you know how late it is. Time's running out. Wake up for our salvation is nearer than we, when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove the dark deeds like dirty clothes. Remove the dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Next verse. Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourselves with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't you let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Proverbs 22 and verse 3. It says, a prudent man foresees evil. What does he do? He hides himself. But the simple pass on and are punished. The prudent man, what? He sees the trouble. What does he do? He hides from it. The simple pass on and are punished. NIV. A prudent man sees danger and takes refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. New Living Translation. A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. What are we talking about? The humble man adjusts as necessary. All right, let's go now to John chapter 15. It's fun, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, right. John chapter 15. But before you go there, hold your place there and go over to Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13. I want you to see this one with your eyes. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, arrogance, and the evil way, and the perverse mouth I hate, right? So the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, particularly pride. So the more I see these things, the more I see that uh, I should hate pride in my life. The fear of the Lord, reverence and respect for God will cause me to hate pride. Everybody say, we hate pride. We hate pride. Right? We hate it in ourselves. All right, let's go over to John 15 now. Let's talk about pruning while we're having a jolly time. Let's talk about pruning. I looked up again about pruning and pruning trees and I found out that you prune a tree and you cut off certain branches that are either dead or diseased or parts of the plant or the tree that are overgrown. And so Jesus here talks about pruning in John chapter 15. And I notice again who Jesus is talking to in John chapter 15. He's talking to his devoted followers. And he said, I'm the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. 
Every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You're already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone doesn't abide in me, he's cast out as a branch, is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you what? Bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples." All right, so when I read John chapter 15, I ask a question. I want to pose this question to you and see if you know the answer. Who gets pruned? Right? Who gets pruned? Right? And we want to answer that from the Word of God. Who gets pruned? Right? And so uh, a lot of times when we think about getting pruned, and we know prune, pruned refers to uh, being corrected. Jesus said you're already clean through the Word of God, so we know this, that the Word of God cleans us, and then the Word of God also prunes us. The Word of God, right? Not some sort of tragedy, not some sort of disaster. No, we learn, we get our pruning and our cleaning through the Word. How many of you are getting a good cleaning today, by the way? Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. So this is it. This is cleaning. This is pruning, right? We're cleaned through the Word of God, through new birth, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, incorruptible seed, through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. We're cleaned through the Word of God, but then we're also pruned through the Word of God. But then when I think about, when you think about being pruned, a lot of times we have the idea that it's the naughty who gets pruned. It's the baddie who gets pruned. No, Jesus said the, 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 the branch outside the vine doesn't get pruned. He gets thrown into the fire. So the ones get pruned, I see here, the ones who get pruned are the fruitful. I thought, oh my gosh, oh no, I think I'm a little bit fruitful. Which means if I'm fruitful, I qualify for pruning. Let's look at it again, John chapter 15. I want you to see it with your eyes. Because here, I want to eliminate the stigma of pruning, the bad stigma of pruning that, you know, it's the baddies who need pruning. No, no, no. The fruitful get pruned. Anybody fruitful here? Just even a little bit? How many of you would be humble enough to say, I'm a little bit fruitful? Are you a little bit fruitful? Who's fruitful here? A little bit. I know we can be more fruitful, but who considers them fruitful? About five of you? Who's, who's fruitful in the kingdom? Uh, come on now. A time of honesty. Who's fruitful? Anybody been a little bit fruitful? Yeah, yeah, okay. Pruning, 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 pruning. True. Look at it, John chapter 15. Verse 2, every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit, he prunes. No, he doesn't prune those. He takes them away. But every branch in me that bears fruit. Anybody bearing fruit? Every branch. How many branches? Every branch that bears fruit, what does he do? He prunes. Cuts away anything diseased, cuts away anything overgrown. Unnecessary. And why does he do it? I like these words. Why? That it may bear more fruit. So, 
When God reveals something through the word of God, some truth to us, you know what? We don't hide from it. We go right to the throne of grace. We receive grace. We receive mercy. And sometimes it's painful. And sometimes you got to stay there for a few days and work it out and work it out. But you know what? Here's the good news. He's bringing you to a new level. Hey. And listen, there might, you might have to spend time on your face. And you might have to spend time on your knees. And you might have to spend time praying the prayer of consecration. And you might have moments of loneliness. And you might have moments where you feel isolated and you feel all alone with just you and God and that thing that he wants to give you mercy for. And sometimes it can take a few days to work through that. But you know what? You'll come through. I've got good news for you. You will not die. It feels like you're dying. But you will not die. You will come out better. You will come out stronger. You will come out more productive. You will come out more fruitful. That's the truth about it. Amen? Anybody ever experienced good pruning from the Word of God? How many of you know that's true, right? It's not joyful. It's painful. But what's the result? More fruit. More productive. So we welcome the Lord's dealings. That makes me think of a question that's posed to us in Hebrews chapter 12. And I want to go and look at the question that's posed to us. Hallelujah, he's pruning me. Yay! Here I come, Joseph Cack 2.0. Right? Don't run from the pruning. Hold steady. You're going to come through the other side. Better. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12. How many of you would say, Lord, read me, read me, read me, read me. You want him to read you now, right? So when we understand, guys, when we understand that the Lord reveals these things for our good, so we can get mercy instead of judgment, so that we can go on to new levels of productivity and fruitfulness. Once we understand these things, now you can understand why the writer of Hebrews said this. Hebrews 12, again, verse 5, and you've forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, don't despise the chastening of the Lord. Don't be discouraged when you're rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father doesn't chasten? But if you're without chastening, of which all have become partakers, you are illegitimate and not sons. Everybody say, I'm a son. Right? We're not illegitimate, right? Verse 9, furthermore, notice this. Furthermore, we had human fathers, or I should say this. Furthermore, some of us have had human fathers who corrected us. And for those that didn't, uh, you know, I apologize, but that's something you have to know about the role of a father. A father corrects. And for those who are fathers right now, you need to know that is your role as a father. You are there to correct. Not to be best buds with your kids. That's not your role to be their best friend. 
Allow them to call you by your first name. Not a good idea, guys. That's not your role. That's not your boundary. You're out of bounds, right? You're, you're to be an authority in the child's life for their good, right? Let's be honest. As parents, we have to discipline. A lot of times, we don't want to discipline. You say, Brother Joe, how do you know you don't have any kids? I got lots of spiritual kids. And I can tell you there's a lot of times I'd rather not bother. And I'd rather just say, it's up to them. Let them do whatever they want to do. But uh, 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 somebody who's a real father, they're going to take time to discipline and to teach, even when you become weary of disciplining. Can all the parents say amen to that? There's a lot of times you want to say, oh, Lord, that kid, you know, whatever. But even though you don't like to do it, you have to keep disciplining because that's our job and that's our role as as parent figures. So that's what human fathers do. Look at verse 9. Furthermore, we've had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Sometimes. (laughs) Should be. These are written in Bible days when I think people actually respected their parents. There's so much rebellion in society today, but I don't know for sure. But it says, shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? And that's the question that jumps out at me. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? Shall we not, notice the language here, shall we not, he doesn't say, shall we not be in subjection to the Father of spirits? He said, shall we not much more readily Can you see our attitude of, Lord, correct me. Father, teach me. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits? Why? It brings life. And live. For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them. But he, why does he do it? For our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Verse 11, now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, you will die. No, you will not die. You have to know that. It's not joyful. At the moment, it's not joyful. It's painful. But nevertheless, afterward. Everybody say afterward. It yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of Spirits? All right, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We've had a good cleaning today. I want to encourage you guys, don't run from the uncomfortableness of truth. See, a lot of people think, well, the comforter, he's going to comfort me, but not with a lie, he's not. He's going to empower you with the truth. Don't run from the uncomfortableness of truth. Stay before the truth and let the truth give you grace and mercy. Hallelujah.
Thank you, Lord. Let's pray a little bit or respond to the Lord or whatever we want to do. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray in tongues a little bit. And this is a response time. We're going to give you an opportunity to respond. However the Lord's dealing with you, Thank you, Lord. You can lift your voice a little bit, pray in tongues a little bit. Thank you, Lord. We appreciate you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Keep praying. Does the Lord want you to be sorry? Not only sorry, He wants the sorry to go to repentance. Thank you, Lord. So don't stay at just being sorry. The Lord doesn't want to leave you there just being sorry. But step on further. Step on into repentance. In your heart, go to the throne of grace. Go by the blood of Jesus. Confess that thing. Call it what it is. Take responsibility for it. Thank Him for the light that you've received. Thank Him for what He's revealed to you. Let Him know you trust Him. Let Him know you trust Him as a father. Let Him know you trust Him to cut on you. Thank you, Father. You're good. Thank you, Lord, for repentance. Thank you for the gift of repentance. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Father, grant us repentance where we need repentance. I ask, grant it. Grant it. Grant it, Father. Repentance is a gift. Grant us repentance where we need repentance, Lord. We're not here to be sad, but we are here to be truthful. Thank you for what you've shown us through the word today. Thank you for the different scriptures that have spoken to us today. Thank you, Lord. We respond to you. Yeah, we come. And we receive mercy. We receive mercy, Father. You can't receive mercy if you don't own it. But if you'll own it, you can receive mercy. Don't make excuses. Make repentance. Receive mercy. Thank you, Father, for mercy. Father, let's pray about anybody that we might have wronged. Let's pray about anybody we might have hurt. Let's pray about anybody we may have sinned against. Let the Lord show you who they are. Ask Him for wisdom, how to go to those people. 
Ask him for wisdom to give you the words to say so that you can make it right with those people, whoever they are. Oh, thank you, Lord. The doers of the word are blessed. The doers of the word are blessed. We're not here to judge anybody else. We're here to judge ourselves. Thank you, Father, for our conscience. May we have a clear conscience. May we keep a tender conscience, Father, sensitive to your voice. Don't cover your sin. Forsake it. Forsake it. And receive mercy. Father, we welcome your dealings. Lord, we know it's not all going to be done right here in this session. But we thank you. We welcome your dealings even throughout the day, even as we open and read our Bibles, even in the weeks to come. Lord, we welcome your dealings. We know you love us, Father. We're not here to judge anybody else. We're not here to point fingers. We're here to judge ourselves. Thank you, Lord. If we judge ourselves, we'll not be judged. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. You've given grace to the humble. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Give us restoration in relationships. Yes. As we do our part, as we repent, you give us restoration in relationships. Have mercy where we've been hard-headed, Father. Have mercy, Father, where we've been ignorant. Have mercy, Father, where we've been foolish. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you for the blood of Jesus. Yes, hallelujah. Thank you for the gift of righteousness. Thank you, Lord. We want to keep the door shut on the enemy. Thank you for the command of love, which is our protection. Thank you for the anointing. Thank you, Lord. The spirit of truth in us, our protection against deception. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for repentance and the gift of repentance. Thank you for repentance. Keeping the door shut on the enemy. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for giving us understanding in the Word of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. For the blood of Jesus. The word of our testimony. Thank you for overcoming power. Thank you, Lord. We walk in the light today. As you're in the light, thank you, Lord. We have fellowship with you and with the brethren. And the blood cleanses us from all sin. Thank you, Lord. But we own up, Lord, to what we see. We own up to what we know. We thank you for what you've made us understand. Yeah, thank you. We thank you that the word of God is you speaking to us. Thank you. We're not looking for a word of prophecy. 
We're not looking for a special word. Yeah. We have 66 books of special words. Hey. I Father, we appreciate our Bibles. Let's lift our Bibles and thank the Lord for your Bible. Lord, thank you for our Bibles. Thank you for my Bible. The Bible is the Word of God. Thank you for your Word. The Bible is God talking to me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Every time I open it, you are speaking to me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love the Bible. I love the Word of God. Hallelujah. Father, we pray for personal revival in each one of our lives. Hallelujah. A return to the Word and a love for the Word of God. Oh, we appreciate it, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Let's go ahead and sing something, guys. Lord, I draw near to your throne of grace, boldly by the blood, boldly by the blood of Jesus.